Next on BYUSN, it's BYU-Baylor Part 2 in the Marriott Center tonight. The Cougars favored heading into tonight's game. Are you buying them on that line? We'll ask ESPN's Sean Farnham as we preview tonight's matchup with the Bears and assess BYU's style of play right now after the loss to Oklahoma State. Darius Lasseter gets another year at BYU. What kind of year do we expect from him? And what does the receiver room look like now? And Top 5 Tuesday features the best ranked on ranked wins in BYU men's basketball history. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Happy Tuesday, February 20th. I am Spencer Linton. He is a man who for 13 straight weeks has enjoyed BYU playing as a ranked team. And there have been a few ranked matchups in there. Has it been that long? 13 straight weeks. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, BYU still ranked. I thought they were going to fall out. They didn't. They're number 25, luckily, which is great. Part of the uh, six ranked teams in the AP poll. I think that BYU, uh, the, the Big 12 is obligated to have six to eight teams in the Big 12 uh, from the Big 12 in the AP poll. So that's great, man. I like being ranked. That's fun. You see BYU on the bottom line and whatnot. But guess what? You got to win to stay in there. So huge game tonight against Baylor at Kansas State Saturday. <sighs> got to get at least one of these. Let's go. You have to wonder if the win on Saturday logic applies here when you split in a week because if BYU loses to Baylor but beats Kansas State is that enough for the voters to say yeah BYU won at Kansas State and they lost to number 11 Baylor let's keep him in the poll whereas if BYU beats Baylor tonight but then loses at Kansas State would people be like ah they lost to Kansas State let's bump them out like it's it's a weird element. I don't know, but Andy Katz went from 19 to out of the top 30. That's what I'm saying. One loss, it's like 17 spots. Really? Dog. What? Yeah, yeah. That's a little reactionary. Jay yeah. Billis was very much the opposite. Who joined us yesterday? We asked him. Hey, there were 14 uh, were BYU in your recent poll. Like after the loss, how much did they move? Nah, eh, not much. Okay, so there are two ends of the spectrum there for sure. Yeah, it's fun to be ranked. Period. Yes, the it end. is. All rise and shout. Let's get to what's trending. What the heck happened in Stillwater in BYU's worst performance of the season? Certainly, uh, there's work to do, and you have a real tough stretch now with Baylor coming in tomorrow. But again, if BYU shows up, they beat Baylor tomorrow. All good, dog. Right back on track. All good, baby. Bears beats Brigham Young basketball. Number 11, not. Baylor, did that in game number one in Waco. Tonight, BYU trying to... Flip the script there as the 25th-ranked Cougars welcome a almost top-10 team to the Marriott Center. The Cougars get this, currently a four-and-a-half-point favorite tonight. Opened up at two-and-a-half. It has jumped two more points in favor of BYU. Home court advantage, yes, is a very real thing, but four-and-a-half against a team that's playing as good a basketball as really any team in the conference right now. Jerem, are you buying BYU as a favorite and at four and a half. Buying? No, I work for Brigham. Uh, not, no, uh, four and a half for BYU. I would say Baylor by three, frankly. Baylor is hot right now. They have won five of six. The only loss is at Kansas by three. Prior to that, they lost three games in a row. They must have been, they must have been terrible, right, Spencer? Nope, they lost by four in OT, by two, and by three in triple OT. This is the Big 12. Before that, they started 3-0. Baylor's awesome. Like, I think they're the third best team in the league right now. Maybe fourth, but they're playing great. This is, this, the way BYU is playing defense, to have Baylor, the number one offense in conference play, mm -hmm. come in right now, I think is a terrible matchup. <laughs> For the way BYU is playing, I am intimidated by the Baylor offense against the way BYU is playing on defense. 
But can BYU snap out of it and play better tonight? They certainly can, but the way they have been playing scares me a little bit. BYU's fifth in, the, in conference play offensively, by the way. So good, but not as good as Baylor. Baylor's the number one three-point shooting team in the league. They're number four in the country. Cougars need to play great defense and keep up. Jacoby Walter is a tremendous lottery pick, leads the Bears in scoring, made threes, free throws. Jaden Nunn, your business, is the Big 12 player of the week. He's made 11 of 18 threes recently. Eve Meese sees a handful at center. Langston Love has missed the last three games with an ankle injury. If he doesn't play, that certainly helps BYU. Spence, why is BYU a four-and-a-half-point favorite? It's because they won three in a row at home. It's because they've beaten Iowa State and Texas at home. Yes, 100%. It's because they've beaten Kansas State and UCF at home. BYU certainly is a different team at home. Everybody's better at home. No, duh. But I don't buy this line at all, dog. I would have Baylor by a couple of points here. And almost a 63% chance to win for BYU in ESPN's Basketball Power Index. What did they have at Oklahoma State? <laughs> like, that number doesn't plus mean a lot yeah, close to me. To 80. No, it doesn't mean a lot to it's me. It's interesting. No. And it, the metrics, beca- these things are based on metrics from the body of work, like yeah. what BYU typically is. And what BYU typically is at home yeah. is pretty stinking good. 13-2, and two, Doc. You got the Cincinnati head scratcher. And then an understandable, very hard-fought loss to the best team in the conference, number two Houston, who beat up on Iowa State last night. Maybe best team in America? Question mark. Connecticut, the unanimous number yeah. one right now. But is eight point a beat up to you, or just at the well, end? Well, I'm just State talking like back? the physicality. Oh, okay, of it. Okay, like okay. Houston, just Iowa State's a really physical team, and Houston just kind of manhandled them, especially early on in the game, in the first half, and then used that physicality to close out the game. That said, I can understand that home loss for BYU. Now, why I'm encouraged is, yes, because BYU has beaten Iowa State in Provo and Texas in Provo, but it's what happened before those games. We kind of had some of the same questions. BYU loses to Cincinnati. They lose to Baylor. They kind of survive and win an ugly game at UCF, and we're like, oh, man, one and two, and now BYU's got to come home and take on Iowa State. I don't know. It could get super weird. And then BYU comes home. And they shock us all, and they win by 15 against a super good Cyclones team. And BYU blows a lead at Texas Tech. They lose a tough game to Houston, and we're like, all right, they lost two in a row again. Crap, what now? Well, then in comes Texas, and at home, BYU responds, and they play well after losing two straight once again. Horns inverted. (laughs) Horns inverted. I'm so glad you remember that. Maybe one of my greatest moments on the show? (laughs) I would say it's in the top 17. Uh, I kid. 17 plus. Now it's a scenario where BYU has once again not been playing great and they're coming back from having been on the road. Can they channel that resurgence from, oh man, that stunk on the road, but we're back home and the urgency and I mean, they need to have it right now. BYU's got to win one of the next three. Why not make it the first of the next three and just get back on track? That's why I'm encouraged because of the trends, like just, just the emotion and the momentum of what BYU has shown in this road home, road home, lose a couple, play poor, they come home and play well. I hope that, trend that continues happens. tonight, and that's why I remain hopeful. I'm not ready to buy four and a half right now. No, to me that's weird. To me, if this feels like BYU 
If they have the ball last, they'll win the game. It feels like that type of game. Whoever has the ball last, probably going to win this game. Could go to overtime. I think this is going to be hotly contested. Overtime? Baylor loves overtime. They've already played they, three. They do love overtime. Maybe that's They a played bad, a triple overtime. Maybe that's a bad deal for BYU if Baylor gets into well, another overtime with them. Just don't play Kansas State in overtime. They've won 11 straight. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> They're Kansas State is unbeatable. Kansas State is Weirdly unbeatable in overtime. In overtime. I... I I, I like that trend more than the trend I presented because right now the way BYU is playing defense the last couple of games kind of scares you. Mm-hmm. Second half against Kansas State and UCF. Right now, opponents are outscoring BYU in the second half by 11 and a half. Not great, Bob. From the first half, what they allow. So hopefully, BYU, BYU can tell Robert that it's good after this game because Baylor comes in with NBA dudes. Walter is a, a draft pick. Jalen Bridges is potentially a draft pick. Ray J. Dennis feels like an NBA guard. They got guys. BYU's got a great team. They, hopefully they shoot it better at home. I, I feel like BYU has to outshoot Baylor from three tonight. Baylor is a team that, like BYU, likes to get to the double-digit make mark in yeah, threes. Yeah. Of course, everyone would like to, but they don't do it. Baylor shoots a lot of threes, not as many as BYU, but they, they're number one in Ken Palm, three-point percentage, fourth in the country NCAA. I don't know what the difference is there. But they're top five. Bottom line, their offense is really, really good. They give up some points. They give up some points. But can BYU's defense play well enough, and can the offense hang with Baylor? The, the answer is yes to both those questions. You just get a little intimidated when you don't do it against the worst team in the league on the road, and then at home against two of the kind of bottom half teams, not saying they're bad, bad just stating facts, bottom half of the teams, um, that you don't play defense against them, and well, and now the number one offense comes in, that scares me a little bit. Which, by the way, basketball is getting the football treatment. You're playing like the top five teams down the stretch, and that's hard. Jake Retzloff comes in. He's the guy. He has to play like four of the top five teams in the Big 12, and that was difficult. BYU didn't win any of those games. Hopefully they do in this situation, and they're going to win. BYU's at 18-7. and seven. Hopefully they win two or three more games at least. And I think they're going we're to. We're like, dude, they're in the tourney. If they go on a little L streak here, not overly concerned. But tonight is big time. Like, if you win tonight, you're that on is pace for You're on pace you're for good. nine wins in conference, Jerem. Yes. You're on pace for nine. You're good. And frankly, if BYU went 8-10 in league, I'm fine with that as well. I don't need 9-9. Nine nine, but, I, but I need 8-10. and 10. I need 8 and 10. Given how good this BYU team has been, it would be disappointing to go 7 and 11. Sure. BYU needs to win one of the next three to feel comfortable about going at worst 8 and 10, I think. But they have a shot to still go 9 and 9 if you win one of the next three. Yeah. Because then you get to 7 and 8 going into the final three games, and you got two home games one against a pretty good TCU team and one against Oklahoma State to close out. You best be beating Oklahoma State. At home to finish the regular Win season. Win one of the next three, make it tonight, and things again start to look <laughs> sunny and bright and wonderful, and you're above 500 Bright again. and sunshiny day. <laughs> number 11 net team and number 11 in the AP poll. This would be a big-time win, man. Iowa State is your best win. This would be number two. 100%. This would be number two. How does BYU respond after not playing well defensively the last, really, five halves of basketball, right? If you go back to the yep. last half of Kansas State, like yep. you pointed out, not good. Not good. And then just ugh, against UCF, especially late in that game, and I almost want to wipe my memory of the Oklahoma State scenario. The offense was okay. That's the low of the season so far. Yeah. yeah it no. wasn't at Utah. It was at Oklahoma State. Okay. Utah, Utah's not a bad name. That was the and first loss of, uh, what, 50-plus BYU, 60-plus? And yet it's still a quad two loss. 
Thanks to BYU. I know. Because BYU's Oklahoma 10 in net. The Oklahoma State gets a big uptick in their own rankings. What I don't want to feel like, Spence, is that we say, well, shoot, in January, BYU peaked. I don't want that. I want BYU to peak in the next couple weeks. As you, as ideally in the tourney, but in the regular season, if you told me, no, 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 BYU beat Baylor, they beat TCU at home, they beat Oklahoma State, they finished with nine wins, they went into the conference tournament, they won a game there, they went to the NCAA tournament as like a six or seven, they won a game. That's the flow I would like to see here. Opportunity knocks tonight. And let's not forget, these teams have played before. BYU played outside of the last eight to ten minutes of that game in Waco pretty well. They, they know this yeah, team. They, sure. play, they played well against this team. Been a hot minute. Been five weeks. but um, Now you get them in Provo. It's been a lo- that's, that was a fast five weeks. I know. That, that was, was like, the second game in yes. the Big 12 era. BYU started 0-2 and we're like, meh, 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 meh. BYU bounced back nicely. Let's go. All right. Uh, I mentioned Jay Billis, okay? We spoke with him yesterday and asked him specifically about this BYU-Baylor matchup. And you know what? A lot of Cougar Nation was kind of freaking out. We get it after the Oklahoma State loss. Jay is not freaking out about BYU. And he previewed tonight's showdown between the Cougars and Bears and had this to say. A thing, if you will. Uh, but Baylor's very good. They haven't shot the ball as well in Big 12 play as they did in non-conference play, but they're one of the best three-point shooting teams in the country. And uh, Jacoby Walter has started to find his range. He struggled a little bit uh, making shots early on in Big 12 play, and his numbers went way down. Um, and then Ray J. Dennis, who transferred in from Toledo, where he's Mac Player of the Year, is a, a really good point guard. And uh, they're legit. They're very good. And the guy that's really made a difference to them is uh, Eve Misi, uh, the freshman uh, from Cameroon. And uh, he's explosive and can block shots. And he's really, uh, really difficult to contain in pick and roll situations because he rolls so hard in the basket. So it'll be a challenge. But BYU is going to be able to spread them out, and uh, they can make shots from – they must have five or six guys that have made 30 or more threes. So uh, there'll be a, a major challenge uh, to spread out that Baylor defense. All right. A couple of things there. One, he mentioned BYU's ability to shoot the three. That has yeah. not been around for the past few games. Past but four games, only eight mix. Can BYU come home and channel what they did against Iowa State and Texas from the three-point line? They shot it well not surprisingly, in yes. those two dominant home wins. If they rediscover the magic once again, then they'll be okay because that's where Jay Billis is looking at Baylor having a tough time defending BYU on the Marriott Center floor, is in space, and making threes, which is what they've done. And he pointed out also that Baylor has not shot the ball as well overall in Big 12 play as they did in non-conference, but it feels like well, neither, they're, neither BYU. they're playing better like, Baylor's playing better over the last few games, and BYU's defense has kind of gotten worse, yeah. which brings us, we circle all the way back to, okay, what, what BYU team is going to show up tonight? Is, is it the one that we've seen over the past few games, or is it the one that, like previous times before, has channeled the home magic and, like, rediscovered it? BYU's only won three games with single-digit three, Spence, this year. Um, and so they have, they have to go 10-plus tonight. Jeremy, to me, I, the, I don't the, see the I, magic number to me all year has been 12. You they, make 12 threes, you're not going to lose. 12 is hard to lose with, right? They beat Kansas State, Texas, and UCF on the road, that one, with single-digit threes. You have to outshoot Baylor from three. You got to play good defense, too. Our question of the day, number 25 BYU, four-and-a-half-point favorite tonight against number 11 Baylor, okay, 63. Then. 63% chance to win, according to the Basketball Power Index. Are you buying BYU as the favorite. Kevin.i.217 on Instagram says, yes, BYU almost beat Baylor in their building. Now the Bears have to face the Rock. Yeah, I would say almost, but um, competed. 
well, yeah. How much difference? Almost to me is like four or five points. Like, is is the home yeah. court advantage? Like, if this game were played on a neutral court, you would think Baylor would probably be like a two or three point favorite, right? Neutral site, like uh, that big of a swing. Like, I, I mean, place? I don't know. Like, or is it even? Maybe a one point favorite? I don't know. I just think the way Baylor's playing right now versus how BYU's playing is very different. How much is home court advantage worth to BYU in this scenario? I don't think you can. Oh, yeah, for BYU, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's tough to quantify that, but let, let the four, Vegas side as a four and a half point favorite, like yeah. it feels like home court's a lot. Yeah, it is. It's yeah, that's crazy. But three, three, it's not about the line; it's how you perform. Yeah, but the line is interesting. Okay, number twenty-five BYU men's basketball taking on number eleven Baylor tonight. As we've talked about, huge, huge game for BYU. Eight Eastern, we got pregame coverage on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Up next, ESPN Sean Farnham makes another triumphant return to the program for his weekly segment. And why not do it the day that Baylor visits BYU, a top 25 showdown previewed with one of ESPN's top analysts. This is BYU Sports Nation. Cutter Richie, Richie at the rim. Yes. The score. Quick spin on Dessou and right to the rim up and in. Dallin Hall gets all the way to the basket. Ooh. Nobody stopped the ball. Signed an opening to the free throw lane. Will duck in. Fade away. Tough, tough shot. But he scores it. Jackson Robinson. BYU going to need to make a few of those tough shots tonight to handle the likes of Baylor. We are live in studio. Be with your day-to-day -day BYU sports play-by-play. -play. I am Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. And joining us now to more adequately preview the Bears and Cougars is ESPN College Basketball Insider and Analyst Sean Farnham. Sean, welcome back to the show. It is game day, another ranked matchup for BYU. And the Cougars, they're still ranked, number 25. Sean, after losing at Oklahoma State, do you still feel like BYU deserves to be in the top 25? Okay, first and foremost, you guys had Billis on yesterday? <laughs> like... <laughs> Like, are you cheating on me? Like, I thought this was – I thought we had something special here. And then I show up, and, and I'm sitting here listening, and you guys are like, well, we had the great Jay Billis on yesterday. Well, whoa, Is there an adjective Jay there? Billis. You know, I'm just wondering. I'm just wondering. I thought this was, uh, you know, an exclusive relationship oh. that we had together. And we, now it seems like uh, you guys have stepped outside the relationship to bring in Jay Billis. Hey, listen, here's the thing. We have five days a week to cover, okay? Yeah. We got a lot of content. <laughs> your, your good friend Roxy Bernstein was trying to crack into today's, today's lineup, too. No, and we were Roxy, like, Roxy is not allowed, period. <laughs> like, no chance does Roxy Bernstein get to make an appearance. You guys can listen to him for two hours tonight on air. <laughs> it's true. You don't need to listen to him this morning. It's true. Um, all right, so to your question, do they deserve to be ranked in the top 25? Um, off the entirety of the season, uh, you would say yes. Um, off the loss by itself as a standalone loss this late in the season uh, with what they have coming up in the schedule, uh, I think the days in the top 25 could be numbered for BYU. I'm weirded out by uh, the, the bed stand back there, the XOX. It's just like, a, it's very different. It's not as nice as the one you had last week in Bristol. I don't know where you are today, but it's just kind of weird. <laughs> I mean, it's the room's a little messy. It is just what it is. It's the renaissance in Walnut Creek uh, as I get ready for my game tonight. I'm huh. sorry that the background of my hotel isn't appeasing to you. <laughs> yeah. uh, I will strive to be better. Now I'm adjusting my camera shot, and it's probably not All good, good for you. J Jay Billis um, would never. Oh. Yeah, well, he didn't even get on the phone. He, I mean, he didn't even get on the Zoom. He <laughs> well just played. got on the phone. That is a great point, Sean. Well That's played, a great Sean. point. 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 You know, if this were around the horn, you'd get a point. 
he didn't want to have to do his hair in the morning, so that's why he didn't want to jump on with you guys. So that's probably why he didn't that's, jump on. That's two points. Okay, let's talk about this game. BYU comes in kind of str- – not kind of. They've been struggling on defense. Second half against Kansas State and UCF, uh, those teams almost come back and win. BYU does not play good defense against Oklahoma State. They score a Big 12 high, 93 points. Points per possession off the charts, 1.4. It was crazy. In comes the best offense in the Big 12 in Baylor. How does BYU slow down Baylor, and can they do it suddenly after the last three games struggling on that end? Listen, I think if you go back to the game against Oklahoma State, the dis- amount of disappointment I have at the defensive end of the floor in BYU uh, cannot be understated. Uh, you, you cannot allow Oklahoma State to shoot almost 60% from the field. Um, and then you're going against a team like Baylor tonight who can really get going offensively. Um, that would be a massive concern. I think, you know, if, if you leave that game on um, over the weekend on Saturday and you have any concerns about anything moving forward, it, it is about the defense. And I would have hammered home the defense. I'm not worried about the shooting. The shooting will come and go. Uh, there's two areas that I looked at, and we've talked about this before, is the ability to score in other areas. When BYU has struggled from three over the last couple of games, you guys mentioned in the previous segment, Averaging eight made three-pointers over the last four games. That's great. But what have they also been averaging? A ton of points at the free-throw line. What did they not do over the course of the weekend on Saturday? Get to the free-throw line. They were 13 to 15 from the free-throw line. Well, you got to get there more. And that that comes with a certain level of aggressiveness. And I, and I think the team lacked aggressiveness uh, at both ends of the floor. They did not make their themselves uh, felt at either end of the floor on Saturday, and that's inexcusable when you're in the Big 12 because the one thing that you know, and you watched last night's game uh, between Iowa State and Houston, which was a rock fight for most of the game, yeah. but it was physical and, and it's defensive-minded. And when you go to the Big 12, there's different styles of play in every conference, right? And so you can kind of say, like, hey, you know, it's physical, it's defensive-minded. That's what the Big 12 is. And the wear and the grind of that physically and mentally can get to you. What I, what I question right now with this BYU team is, has the grind of having to step up every single game and play against a very strong, physically imposing team, uh, has that worn on this group? Because what that usually shows up is in your legs. And so if your three-point shot isn't following, falling, it's not because your release. It's probably not because of the quality of the three-point shot you're getting, even though in some cases it definitely would be. Um, it usually goes to your legs late in the season defensively, can you get in a stance and can you defend and make yourself be felt physically at the defensive end of the floor? What does that also rely upon? Your legs. So right now the challenge is, is the recovery time in between games. What are they doing to recover? Two is mentally and physically, are you dialed in for this stretch run? Because the the schedule that's upcoming is a gauntlet of all gauntlets. There's not an easy game on the schedule until you play Oklahoma State again. And Oklahoma State... Uh, as we just saw, scored at will against BYU's (laughs) defense. I mean, but Baylor, tough. At Kansas State, because it's at Kansas State, becomes really difficult. At Kansas, nobody wins, right? Nobody wins at Kansas. You got TCU, an old, experienced team coming into your building on March 2nd. Iowa State, going to Iowa State and trying to win. Again, a place that nobody goes and wins. And then you've got Oklahoma State. So now all of a sudden you look at the remaining schedule and you're like, Okay, so we, we should have one surefire win there. That's it. Nothing else is guaranteed. And so now it's, a t- it's, a, it's, it's about a, a game approach. Tonight, 40 minutes. All right? Can you, it, don't worry about the offense because I'll get to that in a second. But defensively, 
can you be disruptive? And, and I think that the, the focal point for me defensively, and I've called a Baylor game this year. I did the triple overtime game that they lost that you mentioned, Jerem, in the last segment. Um, but they, they lost that game to TCU. But offensively, Ray J. Dennis is the playmaker. He's the guy that initiates the offense. So you have to be there at the point of attack. You cannot allow him to see the floor, have space to deliver passes. In particular, his relationship with J uh, Jacoby Walter uh, and sets him up for a lot of easy looks. Uh, whether it's 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 the three-point shot or or that drive. And, and on Jacoby Walter, there's two things he's going to do. He's going to hit the wide-open three. If you're not attached on the catch and you're doing a hard closeout because your coach has said, hey, this guy's a shooter, and you, you run at him, that's when he's blowing by you and he's getting a straight lane drive. So you can ill afford to close out hard at the defensive end of the floor to Jacoby Walter. And then the third guy to me is Eve Misi, who, who Bill has referenced. Yeah. Misi's going to be a first-round pick. Seven feet tall. He can catch the ball above the elbow. He can rip and attack. Uh, he finishes well above the rim. Uh, he gets offensive rebounds and putbacks. He does a great job in transi transition, pinning and sealing early, which means the interior of BYU has to meet him up the line. That means a step inside the free throw line, you're making your initial contact, and you're not letting him drive you back deep in the paint. Because if you do that, he becomes far less successful. And I think if you do those three things and then finish it off, obviously, with a rebound, you're in a really good position defensively tonight if you're, if you're BYU. Now, on the other end of the floor, I'm less worried about BYU's offense tonight because Baylor's not a very good defensive team. Historically, Baylor has been a really good and disruptive defensive team. They have not been that. In fact, they have gone to a zone recently and have been playing far, more, far much more zone than they, have, they were earlier in the season. So how you found success uh, against them earlier this year, you're probably not going to see that defense a whole lot uh, in today's game, which means that they go into their zone, which should mean that you have what? Open three-point shots. If you move the ball, drive the zone, force the zone to collapse a little bit, and then kick to shooters. I I'll be interested to see if Scott Drew stays with the zone that he's used recently because I, I just think that if you go to that zone and you get a piece of the paint by anybody, you're giving up a wide-open three, and the last thing you want to do for BYU at home is give up wide-open threes uh, from beyond the arc. So I, I think that you might see more man-to-man, -man, but they've struggled so much in man-to-man -man that he's had to go to the zone, so that tells you a little bit about where Baylor's defense is. Sean, would the zone defense that Baylor plays be more accommodating for BYU's three-point shooting, or are they yes. going to set it up? Oh, okay, so ex explain that. How, how will this help BYU's three-point shooting? Because, frankly, the last few games, it hasn't been great for the Cougars where most of the season they have been great. Well, I think what it does is it accommodates for a higher quality of shot from the outside. It doesn't obviously guarantee the make, right? So you still got to knock down the shot. But I, I think the zone and the way that they've played their zone over the last couple of weeks uh, has been much more concerned with, with drives and people getting a piece of the paint. Um, and so, therefore, you're going to ask that zone to now extend out. If you ask that zone to extend out with the number of shooters that BYU has, I think that's where some miscommunications and mistakes can happen. Uh, they're fully capable of closing out the three-point shooters even within their zone and being attached and understanding. But again, when you're changing the principles of how you play it to match the personnel of your opponent, that's where your communication has to be really key. And a defense, so much of defense is talk, and, and it's, it's trust. And so when you don't have faith in your man-to-man -man and you make the move uh, in the middle of your, of your conference play to go to more zone, that tells me that you're not trusting the communication in the man-to-man. -man. So now you go to zone, 
and you've played a zone primarily to try to keep teams out of the paint and to try to build in rebounding walls and be able to, to secure your glass. Now you're going to play an opponent that has four shooters out on the floor at all time. Now that stretches that zone out a little bit. Can they maintain the same principles? Are the help side rotations going to be as sharp uh, if they have to help? Are they going to overhelp? And I think that's where they could get in trouble tonight. If they're not communicating, they don't get into those rotations. as cl- They get in, caught in rotations, mm. and then that opens up three-point shooting uh, to have wide-open looks from the outside. A thing that Jay Billis didn't give us, because we didn't ask, is the top five in the Big 12. And certainly, Sean, last night uh, influenced this. I assume you have Houston at one after the big win against Iowa State. Yes, Houston is the best team in the best conference in the country, contrary to what you may hear from anyone. Um, <laughs> I, I look at it, and, and, I, and I look at this conference, and I watch Houston last night, and they grinded. I mean, that was a fight. That was an absolute fight between them and Iowa State. I still have Iowa State at number two, put Baylor at number three. Kansas, because of their lack of depth, because they're at, they just – they're lacking too much and you're one guy playing poorly or not hitting their average away from losing a game. And that's where Kansas margin is so thin. And then I love TCU TCU's ability to win on the road. Uh, TCU's age, uh, their roster is extremely old. They're experienced. They know what they have to do. They have a set style of play of how they want to play. And and I think that that's a big reason why I have them in at number five. All right. I, I think when you, when you look at the big 12, there's, there's various ways, right? Uh, and, What's the best conference in the country? And I do think that you could look at the SEC and you can look at the Big 12 and you can say, okay, hey, those are the two best conferences in the country right now. The Big East is probably number three. And when you look at those two conferences, the the top two conferences, what separates them? And to me, it's the ability to have a national championship team. It's not the depth of the conference. It's, It's those teams that are at the top. Who do you believe in most? to win a national championship and how many of those teams can make a run to the final four. And and if you look at my top five, I think the top four will have a say in the sweet 16 elite eight with the potential to go to a final four. That mean all four of them are going to get there. Obviously we know the NCAA tournament this year is going to be crazy, but the defense that Houston plays, the ability to rebound at the offensive end of the floor, it makes them elite and it allows them to grind out games. Even when they don't score for five minutes, they can still win a game against a top 10 opponent. Iowa State, who turns everybody over, couldn't turn them over last night because Jamal Shedd was so outstanding. You know, and I love Iowa State's defense still. And I think especially when you're, you're not accustomed to their style of play in the NCAA tournament, I think T.J. Altsenberger's team is going to have a ton of success when it gets to the NCAA tournament because other teams haven't faced defenses like Iowa State plays. Uh, and then you go to Baylor and their, their ability to shoot from the outside. Now, defensively, I'd like to see them be a little bit better and maybe the zone – that has been disruptive, that has allowed them to run and get points off of turnovers, maybe that's the key to their success the rest of the season. And then I do think Kansas still is in that picture. Those five need to play really well. They don't have a bench that they can rely on with any kind of level of consistency. But I would take those those four teams over the top four teams in the SEC right now. As far as, okay, if I take these four and you look at those four and you say, okay, how many teams do you have the the confidence they can make a championship run? Like when I look at the SEC, I think Tennessee can do it. Uh, I'm not sold that any of the other three teams, whether it be Alabama, whether it's Kentucky or whether it's Auburn, are going to be able to compete at a national championship final four type level. And that's where I look at the difference between them. I think the depth of the SEC is probably a little bit stronger when you get past those four. But I think that those, those top five, uh, those top four from the the Big 12 
all have a chance to, to advance potentially to a Final Four. All right, Sean, in 15 seconds, only because I teased it, which of the next two games is more winnable for BYU? Is it tonight against Baylor on the home floor of the tonight. Center? Tonight. Or at Kansas State? Okay, it's tonight. Tonight. Going on the road to uh, Manhattan is, is not easy at all. Um, and the fans will be crazy. The environment will be they, – they play so much better at home than they do on the road. It's, it's silly. Um, and so I would say the home game clearly going to be the, the better opportunity to get a win. And, it, and as we talked about, Oklahoma State should have been a win for BYU. It wasn't. And now you got to figure out a way to not only win one at home, but ideally sneak one back out on the road. When you lose, when you lose a game that you should win, even if it's on the road, you got to find somewhere else to win a game that you weren't supposed to win. And I think that's the challenge now for this BYU team. They got to find one that they weren't supposed to get. Great stuff, Sean. Just make it at Kansas. Let's go. <laughs> Why not? It's at that, Iowa it's State. Those simple. are easy games. <laughs> Always great to have you with us on the show, man. Uh, can't wait to do it again. And hopefully we're discussing a big BYU win, maybe two, next time we get together. Yeah, I just can't wait to see who you bring on the day before me next week. Is it going to be, you know, Bill Rafferty, Jay Wright, uh, maybe, maybe you know, I don't know. Seth Onions. Greenberg will bring, yeah. will bring Greenberg on. You yeah. guys will get Jay Will. Somebody's coming on. I know it. I just we'll can't see. wait. Make sure you throw them on right before I come on so I can hear it. Well, if you in the C block and them in the B block next Tuesday, that'll be great. There you go. Hey, you guys are the best. Thank you so much. Have a good week. Thanks, All right, Sean. take care. Sean Barnum of ESPN with us on BYU Sports Station. Great breakdown of the game. Always, always. He's awesome. BYU basketball with Mark Pope is uh, Thursday night, 8.30 Eastern on the BYU TV app. Check it out. Hopefully we're talking about a big win against Baylor on Thursday night. All right, does BYU have to beat Baylor tonight if they have any hope of staying in next week's associated press poll, make it 14 straight weeks? This is BYU Sports Nation. How are they associated is my question. I have no BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Follow BYU Sports Nation on social. We're on Facebook, X, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Welcome back to Studio B. I am Spencer. He is Jerem. Let's roll out the Tuesday headlines. Men's Hoops host number 11 Baylor tonight. Cougs 6-6 six six in league play. Baylor in third place at 8-4. The Bears beat uh, BYU in Waco 81-72 on January 13th. Pre-game starts at 8 Eastern tonight. BYU TV, BYU Radio. In the AP poll, Cougars dropped six spots but stayed in the poll. And number 25, Joe Lenardi's Bracketology. The Cougars still a six seed, playing Texas A&M. Let's avenge the 0809 losses. Let's go, in the man. Get it done. Lauren Gustin, once again, named the Big 12 Player of the Week. How about that? Two weeks in a row. She averaged, averaged 27.5 points a game, 16.5 rebounds, and had a career-high 33 points in that loss against Kansas. Gustin and BYU back to work tomorrow night when they host TCU. Pro Football Focus had four Cougars on its 2024 NFL Draft big board of 320 players. Kingsley so Suamati at 46, Keaton Slovis at 286, Isaac Rex at 287, and Ryan Rico as Mr. Irrelevant on this list at least, 320. BYU Baseball drops their final game of the MLB Desert Invitational to Grand Canyon last night by a final of 6-2. Up next for the Batcats, a road game at Cal tomorrow. And men's volleyball dropped two spots in this week's ABCA poll to number eight after two losses last week to Grand Canyon. First time in 22 years, the same team came in on a weekend and swept BYU in both matches. Crazy, Crazy. right? Number four, UCLA comes to Provo for a pair of matches this weekend. Friday and Saturday, 9 Eastern, 
on BYU TV. There's no Utah ride in men's volleyball. UCLA is the rival. Th that is the rival for sure. That's a great comparison. Just get one of them. Come on. Those are today's headlines. Now for the Big 12 Roundup. Another busy day of basketball. And we might as well recap once again what happened last night. Number two, Houston beat number six, Iowa State by eight, 73-65. Jamal Shedd, 26 points. Cougars now in sole possession of first place. Houston, that is. Outshot the Cyclones from the free throw line, plus 14, and makes. And uh, Iowa State, 10-3. and three. Iowa State in second place at 9-4. Texas beats Kansas State in Austin, 62-56. Dylan Deesu's 20 points led the Longhorns to the win. Texas guard Max Aismas scored his 3,000th career point in the win. That's amazing. One of 12 Fifth players year. in the history of the NCAA to do so. Tyler and Jimmer would have got to 3,002 if they had a fifth year. Texas now 6-7 and seven in league play. Kansas State drops to 5-8. <laughs> and eight. The Wildcats await BYU in Manhattan on Saturday. They have lost seven of the last eight. I'm not trying to dismiss the 3K. We just need an asterisk in there for fifth year guys. Yes. I've said this before. It's just... Tyler and Jimmer would have got to 3,000 in December. You know what I mean? It's crazy. TCU at number 23, Texas Tech. Both teams enter uh, tonight's game, 7-5 in the Big 12. TCU won the previous meeting. They won four straight in the series. Tech a five-and-a-half-point favorite in Vegas. UCF at West Virginia. The Knights 4-8 and eight in Big 12 play, but have lost three straight. West Virginia 3-9 and nine in league. They've lost four straight, so... Streaks collide tonight. It's going to end for somebody. UCF, a two-and-a-half-point favorite tonight. That's it for the Big 12 Roundup. Now, some opinions in the whip. The Cougar Whip Round presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. College Football Playoff Committee approved a model to include the five highest-ranked conference champs plus the seven highest-ranked teams as determined by the College Football Playoff. Okay. Of course, uh, this was a six-and-six six thing with the Pac-12, but now the Pac-12 is down to two teams. They have the less than the minimum eight required. Uh, this is uh, this is the way to go, right? The six and six, not the five and seven. Absolutely, this is the way. Uh, in fact, I, I kind of thought it had already happened. <laughs> <laughs> wait, it just now became official? I could have became official today. Exactly. I was like, wait, that didn't already happen? Yeah. Okay. I'm glad it's official. This is the way. Yeah, th this is going to be fun. Um, it, it does lessen sort of the regular season a bit because now you can have two, you know, two or three losses and make the playoff. I can't wait. But but we'll see. My hope for the Big 12 is that they do get two teams in. You get the champ in, but then somebody else is, is somebody in the top else going to show up? Yeah. Yeah, some, can somebody else be in the top 12? Let's go. That, and that again, there's, the there's no like automatic this or that. The only thing that's automatic is the top five highest ranked conference champs. So when you league, you're in. Let's go. Can BYU make that playoff in the next 10 years, Spence? The we'll, power we'll four see. champs and then the best of the rest, right? The power and four. Somebody else. Last year it was Liberty. Still yeah. trying to get used to the power four. I know. Is anyone really saying that? We've kind of joked about that. Let's go. That's what it is. Does BYU need to beat Baylor tonight at the Marriott Center to remain in next week's AP Top 25 and make it 14 straight weeks of being ranked? Probably because they're just barely in, right? So hopefully they do, and then it'd be nice to win at Kansas State, and then you're firmly in. But, like, there's a chance with the split that you drop out. You could beat Baylor, and still because of what have you done for me lately, you yeah. lose at Kansas State, it's like, nah, get him out. It's like, well, I beat number 11 Baylor early this week. Could be. People forget. So weirdly, it's like, you're going to split, like, as far as rankings go, it's almost like, well, you, you got to beat Kansas State just to give some people something good to think about before they vote. What did Spencer W. Kimball say is the most important word in the English language? Remember. Glad we go every Sunday. Let's go. The Big 12 released the women's hoops bracket 
if the tournament started today, uh, BYU would play Oklahoma State in yeah. the 8-9 uh, game. Yep. Would you take this right now? Yeah. I think right now the best case scenario, just based on the separation between 1 through 7 and where Oklahoma State and BYU are, I mean, there are a few games of separation there. Best case is BYU finishes in the number 8 spot. So they're number 9, it's the same game. And I think Oklahoma State's an okay matchup for BYU there. They have a chance to win a game and just get to the next day, which I think would be a huge accomplishment. That'd and be, they avoid the first day. That'd be great. The goal for women's basketball is to make the WNIT, which is a 64-team tournament. And I think they, they absolutely can do that. And then continue a postseason run with your young team and then keep going. And it's a bummer you lose Gustin and Smiler, but you get some real talent coming back and you have a really nice recruiting class as well. You keep building. Okay, only four regular season games left for the aforementioned women's basketball team. Tomorrow night it continues, uh, trying to avenge a 14-point loss in December to TCU. Tomorrow, 9 Eastern on Big 12 Now on ESPN Plus and BYU Radio. An entirely different TCU team. <laughs> Literally, there are volleyball players on there now. It's <laughs> crazy. Darius Lassiter, good news, announcing his return to BYU on social media. He got that extra year of eligibility, which was the right move by the NCAA. We'll discuss what kind of year we expect from him and what the receiver room looks like overall as mm. BYUSN. Like the room. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation on a game day. We are live in Studio B, and while basketball is certainly top of mind with a top 25 showdown in the Marriott Center happening tonight, we need to call time out there for a little bit because... There's a little bit of underrated news, I think, coming from BYU football in Darius Lassiter sending out the following tweet, which said, with four pictures of him playing at BYU. I wanted eight, but that'll be sufficient. All I ever needed was a chance. See you in the fall, Cougar Nation. And those are some great images. Yep. That dude had some unbelievable catches that are documented in those four pictures right there. Yep. But we wondered, like, okay, he played one, I think, one play in a junior college season, and for whatever reason, the NCAA was saying, like, well, that counts as your eligibility. It's like, dude, he played, like, one play. But they did the right thing. They gave him an extra year of eligibility, and now he's going to yeah. be back in that room, Jeremy. So what's your reaction to this news so, from Darius Lasseter? 29 catches, 365, four touchdowns. Felt like it was a lot more. This is a guy that could be a 60, 606 guy. Um, could be the best receiver on the team. Potentially, there's the grab, right? Oh. That was the play of the year. I'm very excited about uh, Darius being back. It's a huge addition. We expected him back. We expected this to happen, but now it's official. I love that Darius is back in this room, and I, I think he has a real opportunity uh, to do something special, hopefully with whoever the quarterback is, uh, Jake Retzloff or Gary Bohannon. Jake Bohannon with but Gary Retzloff. The receivers are so good, they, they need somebody to deliver them the ball regularly. And I know injuries played into what happened with Keaton Slovis last year. I'm not overlooking that. Well, and a run game. Of, style of offense and lack of run, run game. Run game uh, was an issue. That was the biggest issue to me. It wasn't injuries. It was no run game equals just harder to execute the play action where BYU has made a living the last couple of years deep. They were not getting effective play action this year. Look at this room, though. I mean, Darius Lassiter, Chase Roberts, Keelan Marion. You have so many guys there, you move Keanu Hill to tight end. Yeah. Because you're rich in talent in that room. I love it. I think BYU could do something very nice. I'm okay with the balance, too. But I think Darius and Chase, like, those are the, those are the guys, right? Those are the top two guys. Cody Epps, certainly you want more from. Uh, Keelan Marion has shown that he, he's got some wiggle. Parker Kingston, 
has been good as well. Talmadge Gunther is the only guy who moved on, by the way. He's working for PAX. One catch for three yards. That's all you lose among receivers who caught a ball last year. Awesome. JoJo Phillips had a touchdown last year. Oh, by the way, off mi a mission, Cody Hagan yes. is the next Dax Milne Plus, okay? He is back. Tay Nakua out of high school. Those, those guys are kind of the, that I mentioned, kind of the top eight in the room competing for the three or four spots that you regularly have. You really use five or six guys that you truly target. Those eight will compete. I wouldn't be mad if, like, Tay Nakua redshirted, and once you're done with Chase and Darius and uh, Cody and whatnot, they have this nice group of young guys coming behind them. Is this the deepest position group of any position group on BYU's team? I need to look at everybody, but that feels pretty nice. Last year was a struggle on offense, so it's hard to say that any position on offense is truly like excellent or deep at this point. We need them to kind of show me a little bit, given the struggles of the offense that weren't entirely one position group's fault, but the collective was not good. So sometimes you have the same guys back after they struggle, and you may think, well, didn't those guys struggle? What's the point of having all those guys back? We think that because they hired a new O-line coach, a new tight end coach, that BYU can rediscover a run game, hopefully a better quarterback play with some health slash two guys in the mix And there. a true dual threat, whether you go yes. with Gary Bohannon or Jake Redslaw. But that could make all the difference, and now these receivers are in a better spot. So, I, yeah, I like those eight dudes competing for spots yeah. there. Again, it's Don gonna, McKenzie it's gonna, coming off a of mish. Give him a minute. We'll talk about him the next year. It's going to take a deep dive, but at initial glance, that might be the deepest position group on the entire football team. Yeah, I, I got to look at it, and then I'll make a better assessment. <sighs> Who knows? All right, football out, basketball back in tonight. Another ranked versus ranked matchup. And with that in mind, our Top 5 Tuesday features the best BYU wins among ranked matchups in Cougar basketball history. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Alongside Jerem Jordan, I'm Spencer Linton. It is time for Top 5 Tuesday. And in light of the ranked versus ranked matchup tonight between BYU and Baylor, we look back at the top five ranked versus ranked wins for Cougar basketball. Number five, number seven, BYU at number six, San Diego State in 2011. Jimmer versus Kawhi, the road version at Viejas. BYU won this 80 to 67. Jimmer Fredette, 25 points. Charles Abuo added 18. He even banked in a three from the corner. Yep, you heard me right. The win helped BYU climb to number three in the next AP poll, tied for the highest ranking in program history. I watched this game. On CBS! I watched this game with the San Diego BYU alumni chapter in a movie theater in San Diego while this game was happening. You should have just gone to the game. I tried. It was very <laughs> much a sellout. Uh, Steve Kerr was an analyst on this game. Fun fact. Number four. Number two, Gonzaga. At number 23, BYU, as we rewind to 2020. February 22nd, to be exact. BYU's first week as a ranked team since Jimmer's team back in 2011. Gonzaga came into the game heavy favorites. The Cougars ran away with it 91-78. Yoli Child, Jake Tolson, and TJ House combined to score 61 points on just an unforgettable senior night. This is one of my favorite awesome. memories ever in the Marriott Center. BYU pacing for something magical and stupid COVID shut the season down. I got a different word for it, but anyway, number three, number four, San Diego State, number nine, BYU. Also in 2011, the home game, one of the greatest, if not the greatest game ever played in the Marriott Center. BYU won 71-58 thanks to 43 from Jimmer. Kevin Durant was tweeting about him, best score in the world. After the win moved BYU up to number eight 
in the AP poll, BYU ended the season number 10. The fan storm, the court, the one you just mentioned was the other court storm. Those are the only two I can remember in BYU history in the Marriott Center. Those were the court unbelievable. Storm. Awesome. And the fact that Mark Pope, speaking of that Gonzaga win, like premeditated during midnight madness, like, hey, when we beat Gonzaga, we need to storm the, storm the court. He was guilty of premeditated court storming. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Number two, 18th ranked BYU and number 10 UCLA in the NCAA tournament in 1981. The Cougars were a six seed. UCLA with three seed. BYU destroyed the Bruins by 23, 78, 55. Danny Ainge scored 37 points with no three-point line, mind you. Four assists, four rebounds. He had three steals. Got BYU to the Sweet 16 for the first time in program history since the tournament expanded. People forget about that because they think about this next game, which is number one. Of course, BYU beating Notre Dame in 1981. Oh, yeah. Number 18, BYU. Number seven, Notre Dame. Six seed versus a two seed. BYU trailed with seven seconds left, 50 to 49. Danny Ainge takes it length of the court, behind the back, up and over Orlando. Warriors so for good. the win! BYU goes to the Elite Eight for the only time in school history until this season, Spencer. BYU ended number 16 in the final AP pool. Let's go. Where are those blue goggles, baby? <laughs> I got the biggest ones I can find, bro. Let's go! Our question of the day, number 25, BYU. Four and a half point favorite tonight against number 11, Baylor. Are you buying BYU as a favorite? In response, our Elite Voice of the Day, presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated, comes from Brad Matthew Hancock on Facebook, who says, at home, definitely buying. Home court has been an insane factor in Big 12 play this year. Yeah, it's been very good. BYU's had some notable wins. Um, they've had some disappointing losses, certainly. But, hey, at home, BYU's a different team. Everybody's different. But the Merritt Center is special. Perhaps the greatest uh, Big 12 crowd, right, that, that's there. So, BYU needs a great performance tonight to beat a very good Baylor team. They've beaten Iowa State. They've beaten Texas. I know that they weren't pretty wins, but they beat Kansas State and UCF. Oh, I'll, I'll take a win of one plus tonight. I can. Uh, ugly. And we're a three-point shot from Trevin Nell away from maybe beating Houston. Yeah. Like the Marriott Center well. special. Our today's Rise shout out presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Hey, uh, Lauren Gusson, back-to-back Big 12 Player of the Week. And Darius Lassiter, he's back, baby. Our thanks to today's guest, Sean Farnham, who's still a little salty about us having Jay Billis on yesterday. <laughs> yes, he is. Sorry, Dennis. No time. For Jeremiah Spencer, shout out to Junior Mahe. Remember him? I like Reno tonight. better. 8 Eastern for pregame basketball shenanigans. Go Cougs. Reno is better than Junior.